This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pod Mania Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Gooding, and I'm joined as ever by Chris O'Brien and Jim Cornette's love child, Garth Jackson. How are you, my friends? Really good. I'm not happy with this turn of events in Garth's life. I have a beer. It's in me Christmas. We're doing uh, our end of year stuff. Hey, to it's a good time. To be fair, um... <laughs> There's a new craft beer shop open in my town. It's weird. We don't have a branch of Royal Bank of Scotland, but we have two vape shops and a craft beer shop. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Priorities, Chris. I know. <laughs> but like, as my, as my reward for voting tomorrow, I'm going to buy myself a couple of um, fancy craft beers to try. Just the fun never starts, does it? <laughs> Fucking right. If I want beer, it's either Asda... Um, the co-op who can severely inflate their prices like two pounds for a bottle. Right, Chris, I'm going to stop you there and tell you that Asda is not a craft beer shop. I know it's not. But like, if that's the craft beer shop that's opened in your town, it's no, not a craft an, beer there's shop. There's an actual craft beer shop. I believe it's opposite the post office, actually. So we actually have two post offices, I think, and like two dentists, but no branch of the Royal Bank of Scotland. I don't understand my town. Hmm. I'm not even 100 percent sure where you live. We also have about maybe five. because they don't they don't bank the money because they're too busy spending on beer and vape. There's also, <laughs> there's also about five churches. Five a, churches and donations. Five churches, but it's a fat town that's about <laughs> five square miles. If we're being generous. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a crazy start to that. Um, <laughs> so. Basically, to run down what we're going to do then, ladies and gentlemen, it is the end of 2019. What we are going to do is we're going to do our end of year awards. You, the people, have voted on our categories, on the seven categories we've given. And the response, as it was last year, has been overwhelming to the second annual Podmania Awards. So thank you very much for that. Um what we'll do is I'll run down the categories. Uh, for each one, then, I will run down the nominees as well, and then I will throw to either Chris or Garth and ask for their top three. So, guys, shall we get the show on the road? We need, like, a fucking... <laughs> like, the WWE Hall of Famer. <laughs> we do, as, as I'm reading out the categories, I'm going to overdub that onto it. Yeah. Um, does fucking does they use like that script song one year? What Hall of Fame? <laughs> yes. No, literally in like 2013 or something we used that. It's such a bad song. It's such a bad song, which I learned on the guitar to impress a girl when I was in school. It didn't work. Right. So let's start the first category. And one that I think is going to cause a few, not arguments, but a few 
heated discussions, let's say, is Podmania Wrestler of the Year 2019. So I'll read out the candidates that we gave to you, and that was Will Ospreay, Kofi Kingston, Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, Kota Ibushi, Sonata, Chris Jericho, Kazutsuka Okada, Shingo Tagaki, and Tomohiro Ishii. So, Garth, of those men... Who are you going for for your top, your personal top three? Oh, hang on. It was Osprey, Corfi, Seth, Jericho, what? Uh, Daniel Bryan, Kotrabushi, Sonata, Okada, Shingo, and Ishii. Right. <clears throat> Jericho, for sure. Um, I'm going to say, and this is not because he's been the best wrestler, but possibly top two or three moments of the year. So I'm going to go Kofi. Yeah. For his sort of championship run. Um, and I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say for what I've seen in this year, and I've only seen about three matches, but I have immensely enjoyed Will Ospreay's stuff. So I'll put him in there as well. Yeah, I think I think that's a fairly solid top three, to be perfectly honest. Um, Chris, let's throw it to you then. Miami, Jay White in there. Jay White is not in there. Oh, for fuck's sake! And Seth Rollins made it. Who the fuck? Anyway, um, so Osprey, obviously, like he steals the show on basically every card he's on, unless he's against Cancer. Um, I'm gonna go with Kofi because of that story was the one thing that got had me hooked on WWE at the beginning of the year. Like, and especially like um, the gauntlet matches, um, the, the Elimination Chamber match and his match with Brian was really good. And I'm also going to throw in um, Shingo just because oofed. <laughs> yeah, um, Shingo has low-key had a fantastic year and unfortunately... Like, he, had great, he had a great match with Gota. He did. And that's, you know... Not easy to do, no, notoriously. Um, but when you're in the same best of Super Juniors and the same G1 as Will Ospreay, who again, as all of us, I'm sure, are saying, it's it's hard to get recognised. So I, I do agree Shingo has been fantastic. So my personal top three, um, Chris Jericho at number three, I think, for the man to reinvent himself and basically carry AEW at the moment to persistently be the most entertaining thing and persistently put on very, very good matches despite his age, I think is fantastic. His The ability to get absolutely anything over, no matter what it is, again, persists on being absolutely amazing. He, you know, even things he doesn't even mean to say, he manages to come across in such a charismatic way that it looks like he means to. And I think that's just absolutely incredible. Um, number two, uh, for me, I'm going to put Kofi Kingston. Um, that entire run from Elimination Chamber up to WrestleMania is the most engrossing thing that WWE have produced in years. A, I thought it was accident as well. Yeah, complete accident. It was supposed to be Mustafa Ali. Um, but the fact that it was organic and for once the WWE ran with it, they didn't try and change it. The fact that they added, you know, the Vince McMahon thing in, the Kevin Owens thing in, you know, the changing the fast lane main event, it, it all just worked. And to put, you know, to boot, it gave us two absolutely phenomenal matches. It gave us the Elimination Chamber match, which was brilliant. And then it gave us easily the match of WrestleMania 35. 
between Kofi and Daniel Bryan. I think that's absolutely amazing. I think Daniel Bryan needs, you know, praise for that as well because he's been fantastic. Well, he carried that. Kofi's very much an entertainer more than a worker. So, like, well, he carried it. Um, Kofi carried it week to week in ring. Bryan was sort of left to make it compelling. Oh, yeah, yeah. certainly, certainly. And then number one for me, for similar reasons to Chris, is, is Will Ospreay. I don't think it can be. For for me personally, in ring, it, it can't be anyone else. He's had a year like no one else from Wrestle Kingdom, when he opened Wrestle Kingdom with that fantastic match against Kota Ibushi, where he almost killed the man with that hidden blade, to you know the best of Super Juniors, where he had he easily gave everyone in his block the best match of their best of Super Juniors. He then went on to the G1 Climax and was phenomenal. He had a fantastic match against Dragon Lee at Dominion. Um, all the way through, he has had absolutely outstanding matches, no matter where he's been, not just in New Japan. So for me, they're the top three. Shall we look at who the public have voted for, guys? Yes, let's do it. I'm, I'm so excited. And I am the only one who knows the results. And honestly, I, I'm, I'm tingling. I'm tingling. Although that might be the cider. So, number three, coming in at number three, is Kofi Kingston with 18.03%. Now, <laughs> needless to say, and you can probably guess who between, but this category was very much a two-horse race. And for absolutely ages, it seemed to be whenever someone responded to the survey, one would get a vote, then the other one would get a vote, then the other one would get a vote, mm-hmm. then the other one would get a vote. And they were miles, miles in front of Kofi in third place. And it took literally the last two days to separate these two. Um, so in second place, with 29.51% of the vote, is Will Ospreay. And in first place, with 32.79%, is Chris Jericho. Chris, opinion on that? Well, one thing why I didn't include Jericho on the top three is because I'm so fucking done with him in New Japan. He only really books himself in one way in New Japan. And, like, while the matches end up being good, you know, like... He just attacks people for nearly no reason, and then that's how the feud happens. Um, like, if you base, if you as excited as most people are about AEW, that's basically like I can see why. And also, but like within AEW, his mic work's been great. His in-ring stuff, like his best matches, probably were Cody. Like he hasn't been like stand out. So, like, I don't know. I don't agree with it, but I can see why people. Did it? I think it was like close enough to withdraw. Yeah, I think it's like either or, really. Very different reasons as well. Yeah, I think it depends on what you as a wrestling fan like. If you are just there for the in-ring work, for me it has to be Osprey. However, if you are there for you know basically the American wrestling style, which is you know not just the wrestling but also the showmanship and how you carry yourself and the promo game, then Jericho is going to be your winner because you look there isn't a better champion in my opinion in in the American wrestling scene. There is a I person who carries himself did, like so, Jericho does. If well, did still have a like a style of match as well in New Japan. His match with Naito was fantastic. No, I agree. With um, Osprey, if he had the mouth on him that Zack Sabre Jr. does, he'd be the winner. Yeah, if we had Zack Sabre Osprey, it would be 
this him cut this cut him telling everyone for taking the piss that'd be amazing <laughs> making like obscure british comedy references have you s- out of nowhere blaming not doing well um well in the g1 on brexit i meant to tell i meant to tell you this garth have you seen what uh, zach saber jr has changed his name to on twitter no uh isn't it something like zap vote zach vote labor jr yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is outstanding, outstanding. Um, anyway, moving on to our second category, which is Podmania Match of the Year 2019, and this, if anything, was harder to call for me personally. So the cat, the uh, nominees that we had for this category for you was as follows: Will Osprey versus Shingo for the Best of the Super Juniors 26 final. Pete Dunne versus Walter from NXT TakeOver New York. Walter versus Tyler Bate from NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. Cody versus Dustin Rhodes from Double or Nothing. Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks at All Out. Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano from NXT TakeOver New York. Uh, The main event of Wrestle Kingdom 13, Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, John Moxley versus Tomohiro Ishii, G1 Climax 29. Shingo versus Tomohiro Ishii from the G1 Climax 29. And finally, the Champions Carnival final match between Kento Miyahara and Jake Lee. Um, Garth, I threw to you first last time. So, Chris, your top three matches from that list, please. Um, well, Lee and Miyahara, because it sort of opened up the wider world of Japanese wrestling to me, where it's like, I looked back a lot. This made me like look into like current products, which has caused me to have no social life. But um, <laughs> it sort of made me go, well, okay, if I can get into this, what's going on over here? It's that basically kickstarted my stardom fascination. So, Oh, we've got yeah. that match to blame, have we? <laughs> Right, fucking watch more than one star than match, and I'll ta- start taking the criticism seriously. Now, um, Ishii and... Oh, no, I was thinking that, Garth. Jesus. Put your dick away, Chris. God. But it's so impressive. Um, Ishii... <laughs> Ishii and um, Shingo just... I don't know why I was surprised at how good this was, but it was real good. Yep. Like Garth's kind of match. Just two big men knocking <laughs> lumps out of each other. Great. Um, and lastly, um, I'm sort of torn here, but I'm... I, I, oh, Christ. We we even need Japan matches again. Oh, no, I know what it is. It's Walter and Bates. Is that, what you go, is that what you're voting for for number one? Yeah. Okay. Because... Holy shit, like, Walter is just on another level and has very much carried the reins of NXT UK since they took Dunaway for no real reason. And has just, especially in, like, Progress and also NXT UK, has had such a good year. And, like, this match, like, the ultimate babyface in Tyler Bay. And it went, it was a very King's Road style match. It was sort of a slow burn and then it sort of went all out. Um, but at the point where Tyler Bate was just boxing because he couldn't think of anything else to do. And then right as you think Bate's going to win, Walter <laughs> just crushes your dreams with the <laughs> fucking stiffest lariat this time of st- this side of Stan Hansen. So 
Yeah, I can't. I can't. This is a match I can't fault. Loved it. Uh, Garth, top three, mate. I, this was pretty hard to pick because you haven't seen half the matches. <laughs> well, obviously the the New Japan stuff I hadn't seen, but the other ones that I had seen, the Lucha versus Young Bucks was excellent. Um, but the three that I've sort of marked down um, all have very similar flow to them. They're all very, very emotion-driven and story-wise, like, excellent. So, number three, Omega versus Tanahashi. Yeah. Because it was just fucking everything left in the ring. Uh, Obviously, I haven't seen that many Omega matches in New Japan, but of what I have seen, emotion-wise, especially with Tanahashi, that was just... And it wasn't even, like, necessarily, like, a stellar wrestling clinic that you would expect, but they just the story was amazing. Um, Number two, same, probably the same reason, Cody versus Dustin, because it's the first time that either of these people have really been let loose, like, pretty much ever. And the fact that they got to do it against each other with the story of them being brothers and the sort of the the sort of birth of this whole AEW thing and what happened at the end of the match and everything that's everything around it, the emotion around it was just you couldn't the build up to it and everything you couldn't keep your eyes off it and nobody caught I think there's no wrestling fan out there that could have ever said that was gonna be a five star match ever. No, if someone if someone had come to you in the day before all out going Cody and Dustin's gonna be the best match, you'd assume they'd never seen um Young Bucks or Lucha Brothers before. Yeah, exactly. But um very quickly I remember because um we and Gaffer like texting throughout the first half of um Double Nothing. And so he went to bed after um Bret Hart showed up. And uh, Is this because he need, <laughs> is this because he needed to lie down? Yeah. Sweet dreams. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so I, he, after the match, where like I was completely emotionally invested, like um, we're going to this in a second. Double and I think was a mat was a show I properly let myself mark out, and like forgetting our booking logic, and um, I was completely like close to tears watching that promo afterwards. And Garth was just I just got a text from Garth going, "They're going to turn on each other." I'm like, "No, Garth, let's have nice things." That's the problem, see? We've been conditioned. And it was nice that they didn't. And that was just another part of that whole story was so good. Um, so, yeah, um, that's my second. And number one, again, it could it could have went any one of three matches, but I had to go Cole and Gargano because the series of matches that they had were just phenomenal. And to being under the... the NXT umbrella of amazing matches that came before them, they still managed to sort of take up that tiny little notch, um, like in each time and just enthralling. It was one of those ones where it was, what was it, was it 40 minutes or something? 45 minutes? It was It was a long, long match. It was the two out of three falls match, wasn't it? Yeah, but it didn't seem to feel, it didn't feel like that because it was so <laughs> engrossing. It had to follow Dunn versus Walter, which I personally think is a better match, but like that's down to my taste. That was 
the one, the two that was torn between. But uh, just the, the the story in the Cole Gargano thing, the in ring story, um, just brilliant. Just everything about it. Adam Cole just always seems to be able to pull it out, and same with Gargano as well. But Cole's just such a charismatic bastard and doesn't doesn't really ever do anything flash, but what he does is sells the story and just I love it, love it. Yeah, let me top three. Nice. Um, for number three for me, <clears throat> uh, I'm gonna go Walter vs Tyler Bate. A sensational match. Um, just the storyline of Bate throwing everything at Walter, Walter taking it all, and Bate literally having no idea what he could do to finish off Walter and just you are so invested in Tyler Bate despite the fact that you love Walter that it, this was the power of the story of this match that you you were desperate for Bate to just pull something else out and just before he'd been lariated he kicked out of something at one and the pop from the crowd was amazing but that final lariat was just it was it was too much for him and that story and that culmination of that absolutely amazing and for me it's one of the best matches of the year in any promotion at all and that's you know that's high praise when you consider this year um number two i'm gonna give it to cody and dustin um this was not a match i was excited about when it was announced at all um i didn't want AEW to be um i didn't want it to be the place where all the wwe rejects went and when gold dust left and turn up in AEWs oh, for fuck's sake and then he was put into a high profile match a double or nothing I was like this is a bit of a joke this isn't it um, but lo and behold where the fuck did this match come from the chemistry in the ring the old school territory style feel of this match was completely juxtaposed against everything else on the card there was storyline that promo at the end it had everything and you're right chris there were there were tears there was goosebumps it was it was a fantastic match and something far better than i thought i was gonna get out of this match and just for shock value i think it's it's there and then number one for me um uh, <laughs> is the best of the Super Juniors final from uh, from June between Will Ospreay and Shingo. As as pure wrestling matches go, you will not see a better match this year. Um, we were just talking about this, and it's like one of us might even like people who hate the junior division. We couldn't say anything bad about because, um, although people in cage match did try. That opening five minutes of this match, in fact, no, that opening minute where they just went hell for fucking was, leather at each other. It was like the fluidity of the Os- Osprey Ricochet match, but like more believable. Like we were actually trying to hit each other instead of trying to outflip each other. And I think as well, it helped that you had Osprey who can do the flippy shit, and you got Shingo who is a no nonsense, I'm just going to larry your fucking head off. And just. Yeah, this match, it had me invested for the entire 30 minutes plus. And, you know, it takes a lot for a wrestling match to hold your attention for that. But at no point am I reaching for my phone or thinking anything. I am thinking, holy shit, how is this match going to end? Uh, it's it's the best, for me, it is the best pure wrestling match of this year, hands down. Shall we see what the public voted for, though, ladies and gentlemen? Well, gentlemen, gentlemen. <laughs> so, you don't know. <laughs> oh, Garth, uh, little tidbit. I am currently wearing a hoodie with my own face on it. Really? I am indeed, yes. But he neglected to mention, and then his girlfriend walked in the room and commented on it. 
this and... official Podmania merchandise? It is not. It's an official Mama Goodwin bought it uh, when I graduated as a joke and I was saying to Chris, it is in a horrible turn of events, it is the best fitting hoodie I own. <laughs> so I now walk around the house wearing it and my girlfriend hates me. So <laughs> What you should do is just put the hood up and pull it closed. <laughs> Rob, where's your face? Check the chest. Like crang like from turtles. <laughs> oh, what a fantastic reference. Um, I know that because I had Britannic Beaten Hero Turtles on fucking VHS when I was a kid. Can we just hey. appreciate for the fact, for the, for a moment, appreciate the fact that Chris understood a reference? <laughs> Holy I, shit. I, kids TV TV shows from the, like, the 90s and stuff I actually know a fair bit about, um, but, well, because we were too poor for a Digibox, so we always read a list of VHSs from the charity shop. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on to your top three then. So, in third place... We had Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano, NXT TakeOver New York with 12.90%. And again, this category was, for most of it, a two-horse race between the match that finished second and the match that finished first. And again, you listen to the percentages and you will see that it was three or four votes in it. So number two was... Cody versus Dustin Rhodes from Double or Nothing with 29.03%. And then the number one match, the Podmania match of the year 2019, according to you, the public, was Walter versus Tyler Bate from NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff with 30.65% of the votes. Uh, Garth, any complaints? No, no, them, them people's got taste. <laughs> them people's do have taste, absolutely. Okay, uh, no, never speak like that again. That does not see you. That does not see your old manness at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, like, speak how you want off a podcast. Stick to your fucking gimmick, man. <laughs> um, Chris, any complaints? Um, what was number three again? Uh, number three was Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano. All right. Um, yeah, this is. Yeah, um, it's to be fair, it's been such a crazy year in terms of like pure match quality that anything. I'm surprised Osprey didn't make it on, but then again, no Japanese matches made it on. So I'm starting to think that's more just target demo than anything else. Well, I will say that in fourth place was Will Osprey versus Shingo. Okay. Um, I think that that's also like the furthest away, so that might be another reason. Like a lot of it seems to be like later in the year. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I've got no complaints. Um, it's not my personal top three. Well, actually, my personal favourite top three. Yeah, it's, I have no complaints. TLDR. <laughs> Fair enough. We move on to our third category then, ladies and gentlemen, and this is the Podmania show of the year 2019. As Chris alluded to earlier, with the sheer volume of wrestling that we have had in the last few months, it's difficult to narrow this down because there have been some unbelievable shows this year in every promotion. Even WWE, the main roster, despite the fact that it's not to everyone's taste, have pulled out some fantastic shows. WrestleMania was a great show, even though it didn't make this list. Survivor Series this year was a decent show. You know, perhaps not great. It was decent. Chris, shut up. (laughs) The refund you're going to think is great. Because you don't watch anything and you shit on AEW because you're scared of fucking competition. You're fucking marked. Watch some actual fucking wrestling and not this bullshit with Baron fucking Corbin. This is a celebration. 
How have you made a celebration a, something against Baron Corbin? You clearly weren't at my 21st. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, that's incredible. Anyway, so... I'm Joe. I can't remember my 21st. <laughs> Um, the nominees then for Podmania Show of the Year 2019 are as follows. We said Wrestle Kingdom 13, Best of the Super Juniors 26 Night 7, NXT TakeOver New York, NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff, AEW All Out, Stardom X Stardom 2019, AEW Double or Nothing, Super Strong Style 16 2019, the G1 Climax Night 13, and AEW Full Gear. So, uh, Chris, let's start with you. What was your personal top three out of those? Okay, so um, Double or Nothing. It was a show I just allowed myself to mark out that. Like, I, because I, we had nothing other than, like, the YouTube build to go off of and the weekly show wasn't happening yet, so we didn't need to worry about, like, prolonged build, with the exception of who was going into the title matches. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed myself, and like it gave me hope. AEW since hasn't really filled me with hope, but like that show alone gave me hope. And again, the Cody Dust Dustin match was spectacular. Luchas and the Bucks, everything else. Um, anyway, NXT UK take. Um, no, not NXT. Um, NXT takeover. Um, New York. Just far after the five matches on that show could be considered match of the year. Um. Ended up staying up and watching it with my mum because she decided she wanted to stay up and watch it. She was very impressed with Hanson. Um, and then my number one is Wrestle Kingdom. Just and like we, we, I didn't realize how good it was too. We like we were looking over it just a minute ago when we were doing a Young Lion recording, and just everything with the exception of two matches comes high. What well, comes really highly recommended. So, like, and everything's great. You had a match of the year contender out of it, and probably had Jericho's best match all year. So, Garth? For once, me and Chris are almost in total tandem. Um, but I'm going to go uh, NXT New York, uh, then Double or Nothing for the same reasons, Marco, and it was the start of something new and hope. It was hopeful that somebody could sort of break the cycle of WWE's reign. Um, and like you say, it was just mark out moments. There were obviously fan service moments, but that's what you want and great matches. And yeah, I'm going to go Wrestle Kingdom because it's the very, very sort of small amount of New Japan that I watched, but I always tend to enjoy it and Ishii and Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, and obviously the um, Jericho match, Tanahashi match. The I even enjoy the like the Daft Rumbles, like the Daft. Um... The gauntlet at the beginning. I yeah, just... the, the multi-man yeah. matches and stuff. Um. Yeah. Obviously, um, got your taste. No, Taichi wasn't even on the card. The bastards. I mean, even like Jay White and Okada was good. Oh, Jay White and Okada was spectacular. They had a low key. Great rivalry this year. Yeah, that's what I mean. It like sort of didn't have this massive sort of build, but it was like still a really good match. So it did have a massive yeah, build. Gonna... I know you don't watch Fallout, but it did have a massive build. Just so, yeah. But no, it was good. It was really good. So yeah, me number one. Um, <clears throat> well, 
There's no point in me doing <laughs> I, I I completely agree with you. NXT TakeOver New York, AW Double or Nothing, and uh, Wrestle Kingdom 13. There you go. Um, <laughs> so, the public have, have voted. So, in third place for Podmania Show of the Year 2019, we have got NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff with 20% of the vote. So, a show that has snuck in, really, and... You know, there was some great matches. There was the Walter Tyler Bate, which was phenomenal. Um, there was also the tag team match, which was just absolutely bonkers. Um, but yeah, a good show. And hopefully they will replicate that in Blackpool in January. When we're there, lads, 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 lads. Lads on tour, again. <laughs> I was about to say, oh, quick shit, I'll be the only one who'll be able to drink on the show there because you two are trying to go. <laughs> uh, number two, uh, in second place, is AW Double or Nothing with 25% of the vote. And then in first place, just pipping Double or Nothing to the post is NXT TakeOver New York with 28.33% of the vote. Do our audience just not watch um, New Japan? Well, well, I can't answer that. All I can say is that I, I agree that NXT TakeOver New York... It's a worthy winner. If these are worthy winners, I'm just curious how the fuck um, Wrestle Kingdom didn't make it. No, Wrestle yeah. Kingdom didn't make it. G1 didn't make it. Best of Super Juniors didn't make it. Super Strong Style didn't uh, make it. Nad did Stardom X Stardom, Chris. Sorry, mate. I know that was your option. Uh, I was I, I was going to go on about that, but like, really, it doesn't belong. It, like, it belongs in maybe a top 10, not a top 3. It was a really enjoyable show, though. Um, General Kiona versus um, Arisa Hoshiki. Seek that out. One of the, um, my favourite women's match would be it. So. Yeah. Um, Garth, any complaints? No, I mean, it's hard to discount any of them, really. Um, not, I haven't seen them all, but I know they're all highly regarded shows, the Japanese ones, so nah, no complaints. Fair enough. We move on then, fourth category. We move on to the Podmania Tag Team of the Year 2019. And when the two major promotions that I watch in New Japan and WWE seem to have completely discounted their tag team divisions, um, it's it's difficult sometimes to find a top three. But nevertheless, we have got nominees for you. So these are the nominees for Tag Team of the Year. So we had SoCal Uncensored. The Gorillas of Destiny, The Lucha Brothers, Grizzled Young Veterans, LAX, Private Party, Undisputed Era, The New Day, and The Young Bucks. So, Goth, top three. Um, I'm going to say number three. SCU because everything I've seen of theirs I've enjoyed everything they've done has been pretty good it's sort of it's it's the sort of the ever young Chris Daniels doing his thing and them just having fun and Scorpio Sky is starting to be this sort of breakout guy I mean even the little bit of um, sort of Ring of Honor we watched at the beginning of the year they were sort of standout people in it um, they're arguably I mean it's weird because in AEW at the minute I, I don't think like I, don't, I wouldn't class the Young Bucks as being the best tag team 
in AEW at the minute. Technically, yeah, but I think SU have more matches that are more coherent and sort of better wrestling matches, not just spots. Mm. Um, and I just enjoy the, the character work and I've always enjoyed sort of Kazarian and Daniels and with Scorpio Sky in there. I just think they've got a really good dynamic. Um, so I'm going to go for them, number three, as an outside choice. Um, second place, probably LAX just, just pipping luchas or proud and powerful as they're called now. Um, again, start of the year, they were doing amazing, like week to week amazing matches in the impact. The fact when they were brought into AEW was quite a nice sort of surprise when they came and attacked like they did and then they pulled the mask off. It hasn't been really sort of explosive as would have thought in AEW, but they've still been putting on great matches. Um, and the characters, they're just, especially Ortiz, it's just, it's just funny. They just take the piss and obviously not taking it too seriously and they're having a bit of a laugh. And this last week, when they did the week before when they did the Festival of Friendship 2.0 with Jericho and he brought out a pair of flip flops <laughs> and it, it was just the whole like these are lethal weapons <laughs> he's like every kid in the country is cowering now and sort of thing it's like uh, it's just really fun again just good fun and again not probably not well yeah I would say technically as a team they are probably one of the top three in the world at the minute uh, as a cohesive team yeah um, then number one, it's got to be um, Undisputed Era. Um, everything they do is good. Every promo they do is funny and good. They, I don't think I've seen them have anything close to a bad match. Kyle um, Riley is amazing on the um, bell guitar. Exactly. Um, Bobby Fish. The... Just even even like when Bobby Fish does something as simple as look over at Kyle O'Reilly and you can see he's thinking. What's he doing? <laughs> that sort of quizzical look, and he raises his eyebrow, and then you've got obviously um, Roddy Strong and um, well, if you count them in the team, uh, and uh, Adam Cole, and the whole thing. It's just they are the best team, as in work and character and matches that I've watched this year. So yeah, easily my number number one, Chris. Very quickly, and if we were the undisputed era, I feel like um, Rob would be Bobby Fish and I'd be Cannon O'Reilly. Just in terms of that dynamic, just of like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, <laughs> um, so, um, number three is LAX. Um, um, their feud of Bleachers was great. Um, their feud with CCK in progress was great partly because they brought in eddie kingston and like the addition of eddie kingston made everything better like he referred to um kid lycott as the one who's made of glass um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of the same when they had him in um as king in impact the fact that impact didn't keep him on is a fucking travesty um <laughs> then you have um grizzly young veterans um, partly because Zach Gibson can draw heat from anything. <laughs> Zach Gibson could walk into the Arctic and melt it with a mix of global warming and the heat he gets from the polar bears. 
Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, like, this man can make anything nuclear so quickly. Um, week to week in NXT UK, they have really good tag team matches. Um, their two takeover matches could both be, if someone could say that's my favorite tag team match of the year, and I'd be like, yeah, sure. I'm um, actually very match with Mustache Mountain is my favorite tag team match of the year, partly because of their life, um, partly because it's just my taste, and partly because of that fucking doomsday device on the outside. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, and then we have um, the Lucha Brothers, because they've just, wherever they went, whoever they feuded with, they've made it great. Like, then Mixed Belly X made me watch Impact for two months, but then the Sandman turned up and I'm like, nah, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Tag out. <laughs> Um, so my personal one, uh, I'm going to go number three, um, I'm going to go the New Day. Um, the reason I'm going to go the New Day is because they persist in the WWE and they never have bad matches. They are an incredibly charismatic tag team, no matter what combination you've got of the three of them, whether it's Xavier Woods, Big E, Kofi Kingston, they are phenomenal every time and they continue to put on fantastic matches no matter who they are paired with and i think in a in a company where tag team wrestling is so obviously not valued in the slightest they continue to be entertaining and whenever they hold the belts the belts always seem that little bit more important and i think that's a credit to them and i think that's a credit to the matches that they put on um number two I'm going to say the Undisputed Era. Um, the Undisputed Era, just like Garth said, they they have they haven't put on a single bad match, and this is you know a team that took on the authors, a green authors of pain, and had a decent match. In fact, better than decent. They had a good match with them, and I think that's testament to just how good they are in the ring, the tag team chemistry they have. Obviously, they were a tag team before the Undisputed Era, but you know the chemistry that they have. You're right. Just they are clearly good friends outside the ring and that really translates in the ring they've had great matches with the war raiders viking experience viking raiders war machine um <laughs> which is all one team um they've had great matches with them this year they had a great match onto the survivor series pre-show because them versus war machine versus the new day got pushed to the fucking pre-show let that sink in for a minute um and yeah i think they are outstanding and they are the most entertaining tag team um, and then number one is the Grizzled Young Veterans. Um, I wasn't particularly familiar with the Grizzled Young Veterans before this year. And every time I watch them, I am just I'm completely transfixed by them. The combination of Zach Gibson and James Drake is phenomenal at all times. James, Zach Gibson is a national treasure. Um, how one man can draw as much heat as he draws and then can still pull off matches that he does pull off. That match against Mustache Mountain was absolutely insane, and not just because we were there live, um, and we're going to keep plugging that, um, but because it was just, it was outstanding, it was explosive, and then their match at NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff, again, explosive, and I think they are, they're just a phenomenal tag team. I mean, me and you, Chris, reviewed uh, Progress Chapter 55, Chase the Sun. The reaction. This wasn't even like peak hatred for Gibson yet, and he could not get a word in, and he just took to walking around the crowd. It was amazing. actually the latest Alexandra Palaszczuk, um to draw heat. He 
um, did a rendition of Piano Man where he just talked about how shitty Brit- um, British wrestling is right now. <laughs> and this is going to make you very excited. They just got out of a feud with um, Scotty Davis and Jordan Devlin. <sighs> yeah. Um, but, um, because I remember at Blackpool how almost surprised Garth was at the heat Gibson gets. I think Garth was more surprised at the fact that however many thousand wrestling fans were taking off their shoes for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he took a photo of me. I showed me it later. <laughs> yeah, I remember it was Garth and up. Someone turned to me like, so where did this come from? I'm like, I genuinely don't. I think it's because Pete Dunne went through this shoe that gives him, and I think that's literally where it came from. <laughs> so anyway, let's look at your votes for this category. So... In third place with 14.52% of the vote is the Grizzled Young Veterans. In second place, slipping from last year's victory with 17.74% is the Undisputed Era. And the runaway victors in this category, slightly surprisingly, with 32.26% is the Lucha Brothers. You say that, like, wherever you watch, you've probably had a good Lucha Brothers match, unless you watch them yeah. so... so it's WWE. Well, yeah, but not WWE. If you watch WWE, you're just not used to good matches in general. So. Let me just quickly clarify. By saying surprisingly, I mean by the by the distance they won it. Not that they won, but the distance that they won it by. Fair enough. Um, um but yeah, I agree. I think, you know, they've put on fantastic matches in AEW, whether that's on the, you know, on Dynamite, when they put on a fantastic match against Private Party, um, or whether it's their two matches with the Young Bucks, or whether it's their match with LAX at Rebellion. They've had outstanding matches wherever they've been. And the fact that they are two single stars in a tag team is very like, exciting. Yeah, like singular, they're just as good as well. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that they're not currently being used as single stars is... A travesty, but that's beside the point. We move on then to our third to last category, which is the Podmania Breakout Star of the Year. So the category, the nominees, sorry, for this one were MJF, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, Ren Narita, Sonata, Private Party, Mustafa Ali, Britt Baker, DMD, Ace Austin, El Fantasmo, Jordan Devlin, David Starr, and Arissa. Hoshiki. Now, Garth, who is your top three and why is MJF number one? <laughs> uh, just tell us them again. MJF. Uh, it was. Uh, sorry, just I've locked me uh, <laughs> notes. MJF, <laughs> Renderita, so yeah. The Fiend Bray Wyatt, Sonada Private Party, Mustafa Ali, Britt Baker DMD, Ace Austin, El Fantasmo, Jordan Devlin, David Starr, and Arissa Hoshiki. I would say... Honestly, I think Ali, number three, because, I mean, although he was like very, very unlucky to get that injury when he did, before then, he was rocket-strapped looking like he was going to the top. Yeah. Um, his matches were consistently good. Then when he came back and he sort of picked it up again and sort of elevated the that style from WWE and 
again, the crowd was so behind him as well, and that's what that's probably in that situation more important than the match quality because I think, especially now WWE know that they can they can still do it with him, even though they've sort of seemed to have cooled on him a bit. He's still getting put in good matches, um, and I don't know. I just think, yeah, breakout wise, especially in that sort of company and that coming from that division, the two hundred five stuff, definitely sort of had a really good year. Obviously, again, Kofi sort of got got his sort of shine from it, but no, I'd definitely sort of have him as number three. I thought he had a good year. Um, okay. Number two, MGF, because his promo work has been stellar. He literally came from nowhere. Well, for me, I'd never fucking heard of him before. I was about, I was about to correct you. Sorry. I knew you were. That's why I had to say that. Um, well, no, like, unless, unless you have been watching sort of quite indie-rific wrestling, you won't really be that familiar with him. Um, obviously, unless you were eagle-eyed watching him backstage at WWE a year or two ago. Uh-huh. Um, but I think his in-ring stuff when he's had the odd match has been good. His actual his selling and his what I noticed the other day was the way... He, because, I mean, he had that match with uh, Moxon. He was always in the right place every time every time he took a, a bump he was in the right place to catch the rope to catch an elbow drop whatever um, then the turn was perfect maybe he's could have held on to it a little bit longer but the turn everybody knew it was coming at some point but the fact he did it then which I mean after the match that Cody lost and everyone thought he'd come down to help him. That was great. His promos have been great. Um, and I think, yeah, he's definitely obviously destined for sort of the top of that sort of promotion. Um, and I'm excited to see what he does, especially when they sort of get this feud going with Cody. Um, I think they'll, I'm, I predict at least four and a half star match with Cody because there's emotion there again. There's backstory. There's. Uh, Things on things that are on the line, so it's good. And number one, I think it's a bit of a cheat this one, but the fiend because Bray Wyatt was dead in the water completely, his character was done, nobody cared. Hey, just, hey, I'm oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, he slowly introduced this character with the Firefly Flun House, which was genius. Um, the way he introduced The Fiend, the way he still keeps The Fiend separate. He always t- talks about The Fiend. He never says me or I. It's always The Fiend. Um, his matches have been good, even though people shit on that um, cage match. Yes, the ending was shit, but it still made him look like an absolute monster that we took all those curb stomps and the, the beating he took. Um, and honestly, I think he's won one of the few characters that can get away without having great good to great matches because the character and the build sort of allows for it, kind of like The Undertaker did. Um, I mean, it was a long time before The Undertaker had great matches. Um, 
and I just think his character work's been great. Is the way he's got himself like completely in like in a different shape. He's sort of like best shape he's been in. Um, but the characters, Five Five Funhouse, the the end of that far too soon with fucking old Rollins burning it down. Um, but now nah, the fiend for me has just had such a good year, and, and he made he must have been the biggest draw for WWE at that period to get people interested again in WWE. He and, became the number one merch seller, overtaking Roman Reigns. Yeah. His, his vignettes were doing the rounds and like any wrestling community or group that I was in, everyone was like Five Eye Front House every single time. So yeah, The Fiend, number one. Yeah, I agree. Um, Chris? I am reluctant. I like, honestly, in terms of the impact The Fiend has made, I would put him on here, but also I'm reluctant to call him a breakout. This is just someone having a character change. That's why I, I mean, that's why I said it's a bit of a cheat, but... Yeah, I think I, I do think it's time for a cheat. But in terms of my things, um, Dablin has had such a breakout this year, both on NXT UK and uh, not in OTT, because, um, of course, he's like the ace there, but like in progress, definitely, he's had such a standout year. Like his match, I'll, I'll shout about it from the hills a million times against Elia Dragunov was amazing. He had um, second best um, super strong style of anyone. Um, some great matches with like Walter and just overall he's gotten so good. Like he's before like he had a sort of unfocused style whereas now he has a very, very like focused style. The fluidity between moves is unbelievable. And he's one of like three people who doesn't apart from an NXT UK who doesn't have a defined finisher and will just beat you with like one of like five moves which is something I love. Mm-hmm. Um, David Starr has really broken out, in my opinion. Like, um, again, he's been big on the indies for ages, but like, so this year of his independent gimmick has been really good. His um, stuff with Walter and Devlin has been great. And of course, especially in progress, which is mainly why I see him, he's the most over babyface. So. Yeah, so it has to be on here. The only real criticism I have of him, he can sometimes blur the line between um, me agreeing with him and not with a lot of his independent stuff. Like, for example, when he goes after the wrestlers and not the companies, which he sometimes does, it does get annoying. But yeah, um, I still love David Starr. And um, I'm going to get called a mark, but like Arisa Hoshiki has had one of the best years. <laughs> What a okay. mark. Fucking. So, she came back from wrestling after going off. She was in a band called Unlimited Dream Navigator or something. I haven't listened to them. But, um, yeah, she fucking have. I re- apart from the fact, apart from her theme song, which um, she does, I don't know. I literally haven't gone to listen to them. But, um, like, um, her, her running the Cinderella tournament was really good. The finals against Konami was great. Um, I'm sorry, guys. You're going to have to take it back. See what I name a lot of people you've never heard of. Um, she then beat um, Momo for the white belt, which was um, another great match. Then, like, her matches with um, Kagetsu, with um, Jungle Kiona, with Tam Nakano, which Rob saw, and we disagree with whether or not that's a really good match or not. But, um, yeah, it's just been... She's been really good. She has the best kicks this side of Coach Rabushi. Um, really good. Really like it. I, she's better than May 
Bah, I said. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> you're just wrong, so. But uh, she is, though. I mean, she's not. She really is. Right, okay. Chris, we get it. You watch Stardom. Because um, <laughs> that's what that entire segment was. Um, I, I, not like I'm go, it's not like I'm crazy to go, hey guys, look at all this obscure wrestling I'm watching. Yes, you, you do. Um, like, I do. I, I, I recommend stuff. That Arissa versus Tam Nakano match was an average match. You made it out to be the best Joshi match you'd ever seen, and it wasn't. No, 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 I didn't say, I said that, um, Jungle, the Jungle Kiona match was one of the best ones you've ever seen. Did you get that, Garth, by the way? He watches Joshi Wrestling. I am going to disagree with you, though, on the Bray Wyatt thing, and the reason I'm going to, it's, the, the category isn't new star. The category is breakout star. Now, when Bray Wyatt left, Died. Or died. Yeah, exactly. He was thrown into a fucking river. Um, he wasn't anywhere near the top of the card. Okay, and to be perfectly honest, when he won the championship in 2017, he wasn't near the top of the card. So the fact that he has come back and elevated himself to the top of the card, then I would argue that this has been his breakout year. He was never a top star as the cult leader. However, now as the Fiend and this Firefly Funhouse gimmick, he is carrying the WWE. Can you honestly say that Bray Wyatt was anywhere near carrying the WWE in September 2017? No, he was never fucking no, near. No one was having under the in September of 2017 because, like, no one should be expected to carry the weight of a fucking planet. Yeah, Bray Wyatt is, and I think all three of us can attest to that. They've had to put the belt on him because no one else is drawing anywhere near like him. No one else is as creative as him, and no one else has created the character that he has created. Now, are his matches good? Not really. But He's the only allowed to create that character. Yeah, and I think Jeremy Borash is part of it as well, to be perfectly honest, because it reeks of the broken universe, but that's beside the point. Um, so I think, actually, Bray Wyatt has been a breakout star of 2019, not because he's a new person, but you could argue that about El Fantasma. El Fantasma isn't new. He won the British Jacob in 2018. Yeah, like there's a difference between former WWE champion and won a cup and won a tournament that doesn't really propel people. Jinder Mahal has won the WWE Championship. That's irrelevant. Okay, <laughs> genuinely. Exactly, new, it, exactly. That was my Sonata's next point. Sonada is not new. Yeah, but again, Sonata, he hasn't. Sonada hasn't had like a proper title feud before. Are you year, telling though? me that Bray Wyatt has had a proper title feud? If you he tell has, me that that Randy Orton thing was a proper title feud, I will cancel this fucking podcast. <laughs> it counts. No, it doesn't. It was the biggest pile of shit ever. It was the most rushed storyline you could possibly imagine. He was a transitional champion at best. He is not a new star. I am completely granting you that, but he is a breakout of this year. To become the number one merch seller in WWE from where he was, I mean, don't get me wrong, he has always had really, really good merch. And I think it was me and you, Chris, that was talking about how cool his merch was before. But that's beside the point again. I own a grey white t-shirt. Yeah, it was yours talking to about it then. But for me, yes, he has been a breakout. He literally ticks every category of being a breakout. Um, So Bray Wyatt, 
is in there. Um, MJF, for the exact same reasons as Garth, so I'm not going to embellish that. And then El Fantasma. And the yeah. reason I'm going for El Fantasma is because he debuted in New Japan in May at the Wrestling Dontaku shows. And in that time, he went on to have an absolutely outstanding best of super juniors tournament he's won the iwgp junior heavyweight championship he won the super j cup um despite being an absolute cock end of a heel and i think he's you know love him or hate him or hate his antics which you know have been questionable at best at times like throwing children's hats into the air especially when the children have got clear learning difficulties that's not okay and never has been but if you take him as an in-ring competitor and you look at his character in ring i think he has been a breakout star of this year and i think chris you know was a new japan follower you'd agree yeah definitely um what really sold like i was selling elp doing super genius what really sold me was doing his dragon me um match because of how it was a match of two hearts but of how fucking brutal he became like how he can sort of flip that switch yeah um He's young, isn't he? Um, I don't know his exact age. Keep talking, I'll double check. Okay, well, I'm really glad that no one chose Britt Baker because she is an absolute travesty of shit. How the (laughs) fuck did she make it onto the list? I don't know. I I think I was drunk. Um, Anyway, so, your top three, ladies and gentlemen. I'm really sorry. I know my voice is really croaky. My throat is absolutely killing me at the moment. swear I've got something from school. He's 33? Yeah. Wow. He's older than me. Is he older than you, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, our, your votes, ladies and gentlemen, have put in third place with 13.11% is Jordan Devlin. Yes. In second place, The Fiend Bray Wyatt with 21.31% of the votes and the runaway victor in this category mjf 39.34 percent i personally don't find any of that surprising in the slightest um i'm dabbling to be honest yeah I, you look at the people who didn't make the top three i mean in fourth place was arissa nice um yeah. ace austin was fifth ali was sixth so you know but there was there was very few votes in it. Um, Jordan Devlin was easily third. So it's nice to see him get the recognition and clearly for the same reasons you had. Yeah, so, um, oh, sorry, I thought you'd finished. Go on, carry on. I'm just, I'm just happy that, like, because I, honestly, I picked my picks um, based on what you two wouldn't talk about, so I had a chance to talk about them. Do you mean so that you could talk about how you watch Stardom all the time? Right, fucking... Just because I like a promotion doesn't mean I'm waving my dick about. Which promotion is it that you like, Chris? Noah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we move on to possibly the most fun category, the second to last category, the Podmania Disappointment of the Year 2019. Um, there's been a lot, and I'm not going to lie, most of it is WWE. Um, but... is an IWGP champion is a travesty. What is, Sorry. The fact that Taichi is not the IWGP champion. I mean, you are physically the only person who believes that. Um, Taichi. Nico <laughs> um, Abe. Anyway, the categories, sorry, the nominees in Podmania Disappointment of the Year 2019 were Eric Bischoff's reign on SmackDown, 
directionless call-ups from NXT, Impact, Impact rehiring older talent, Viking Warriors, Viking Experience, War Machine, War Raiders, uh, Braun Strowman, Kenny Omega, WWE Raw, and shameless Saudi money-grabbing. Chris. Um, first of all, shameless um, Saudi money-grabbing isn't necessarily a disappointment more than it is. It's just, oh, for fuck's sake, why are you still doing this? Um, like, honestly, that could be in a lump in a different category of things WWE need to fucking fix that includes healthcare and the entire fucking product. But um, pointless NXT call-ups just also sort of includes um, just signing people and doing dick all of them. Like, when you look at who they've signed this year, you have Kishida, who are in the process of doing dick all with. Mm-hmm. You have um, Angel Gaza, who, again, and they're kind of doing something with them, but kind of not. Um, so, Trevor Lee, DJD, um, Isaiah Scott, uh, formerly known as Shane Strickland, who is fucking absolutely amazing. Isn't Austin Theory meant to be there, but they're doing nothing with him? Um, just, they have two, on every single roster, is too bloated. Yeah. To justify its size, um, Kenny Omega just since Wrestle Kingdom, he hasn't had that barnstormer like, every, like his Jericho match was a bit plodding and very botchy. Um, he seems pack, to change his style a lot. Yeah, his pack match was just a disappointment, in my opinion. I can't call it anything else. Um, and um, that Moxley match, while I did enjoy it as a spectacle, sorry, as a spectacle, was overindulgent beyond yeah. anything I can think of. Like, it was extremely overindulgent, and I still stand by like my high rating on it. It was still a really good match, but like, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, it wasn't the Kenny Mega match I was waiting for. Um, and lastly, just fucking, I wish I could just say WWE in general, to be honest. <laughs> just, Jesus, can you remind me of some more of the things on there, please? Uh, yeah, we had Bischoff on SmackDown, directionless call-ups from NXT, Impact rehiring older talent, the Viking Warriors, Viking Experience, War Raiders, War Machine, Debacle, Braun Strowman, Kenny, WWE Raw, and shameless Saudi money-grabbing. Right. I'm going to say Impact hiring your old talent because that fucking lost me. That's what, why I stopped watching because like, I just... Uh, RVD was fine. RVD is somewhat of a draw. RVD can still somewhat go. Sabu, Sandman, right, and I, I'm even going to say Rhino. Why the... How many <laughs> ECW revivals? Do, like, they have one like almost on the dot every two years and I'm sick of it. <laughs> No, it's it's hard to disagree with you there. To be fair, and um, that's Let without well, that's without classifying Tommy Dreamer as well, who cannot oh, still go in the ring. I forgot about Tommy Dreamer. Two good things things came out of it. Um, two good things came out of it. One, Tessa Blanchard walking into a locker room and pointing at someone going "You leave," so we can talk to Tommy Dreamer. That was great. <laughs> Um, and the other one was um, Sandman being waterboarded by Killer Cross. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> like, I was just watching them and going, what the fuck? Am I watching CZW? What the fuck is going on here? But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Goff? Um, 
number three, I would have put the Saudi fuck machine, but um, <laughs> what's the Saudi fuck machine? It's fuck money. It's fuck money. No, I'm not even going to bother putting that on because everybody knows it's fucking horse shit. Um, I'm going to say Kenny Omega because I expected so much more. Uh, And that's coming from someone who's barely watched Kenny Omega. Exactly. And I was so disappointed. Like a disappointed father. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was like so so hyped as well. And it just seems he's just... It's like he just took his foot off the pedal a bit like Nakamura. And just said, I'm going to say, wait, just, um, Kenny Omega not trying is nowhere near the level of fucking Nakamura. I know, but like the same sort of, I'm just going to sort of course for a bit kind of thing. Um, so yeah, Kenny Omega, because I haven't seen him have that great, great match in AEW, and I don't know whether he's going to be able to have one. Is he right? Because is he working with the right people? I don't know. Um, and I'm going to say, from what I've seen, the NXT call-ups, and I would, that's kind of joined with Raw, but I'll say NXT call-ups, because they did that whole thing with Alistair Black and Gargano for the little bit, and um, Champer and things like that, and they brought them up, pissed about with them for a bit, and then did nothing. Same with EC3. Um, everybody that brought up in fact I can't think of anyone Lacey Evans uh, exactly um, Lacey the best out of everyone who's been called up which she's is fucking disgusting. disgraceful um, and it's because she's blonde and got big tits pretty much I'm blonde and have big tits push me Vince <laughs> hey what's he Vince um, yeah it's just been pretty shit and then what the what the problem they do is that they do this where they'll they'll call up four or five of them at the same time, and you know for that they're not all going to get there. I mean, they brought up bloody war raiders and fucked up them, screwed around with their name and pissed everybody off, and then doubled back on themselves. And it just everything just seemed to be done on a knee jerk rather than a build, and it just fucked the people. And it meant that it kind of took a bit of the shine off people because they had to then go back down effectively down to NXT and it just, just kind of nah it's tarnished them a little bit so that's my number two um, because it was I mean it was genuinely exciting when they do get to call these people up but then they don't do anything with them and it, it harms the overall product so that for number two and number one is impact hiring all people because it literally turned us off the product I was totally high on it I was watching it every week really into it, and then RVD turns up and he's having given the most garbled interviews, stoned out of his brain, um, coming down the ring and doing alright matches, but nothing that would be really worthy of a main eventer. And then, like you say, the Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, fucking Glenn Gilberti, uh, Rhino, all these old people who just think they don't need to be there. They've got enough talent to not do that. They've let people like Killer Cross and Eli Drake leave to bring in these old fucks. And it's just like, no, don't piss on your fans. That have The reason they're watching this is to see new people, to see people have good matches. Um, so, yeah, that's my big disappointment of the year because it literally 
turned us off. Very <laughs> quickly, Avidy's current gimmick, because um, he's doing the same thing, but as a heel, so it's made it so much more better. Like, he's parading around with this really shit wife, um, like, whose only gimmick is, I have a big ass. And he, he's been doing this for a while, because it happened in ICW, when he was coming out as a surprise, but, like, one condition they had, what he had, seemingly, was he has to book my wife on the show, so it was, like, a tag match between the two people in triple threat, fear and, fear and loathing and her. And when she came out, the ICW crowd were just chanting, what the fucking, what the fucking, what the fucking hell was that? It was amazing. <laughs> It's the best thing I've ever seen in life. It's just such a car crash. <laughs> I mean, Katie Ray just had none of it and beat her up despite the fact she was her partner. Um, I'm going to go number three, uh, Braun Strowman. Um, the reason I'm going to go for Braun Strowman is because, and this isn't just this year, this is, this is Braun's booking for a while. You had the chance to create a legitimate monster similar to that of Brock Lesnar and uh, he's dropped off the face of the planet he's seemingly nowhere near any title programs he's nowhere near the threat he used to be he's not being booked in the same way he used to be you know he was uh, when he was feuding with Roman Reigns he was the biggest thing he was flipping buses he was throwing chairs he was a walking <laughs> gif factory winning championships with Chavios yeah, exactly. And then he just, they seem to have just completely lost faith in him and have, you know, defaulted, you know, similar to how New Japan defaulted back to Okada. They've just defaulted back to Brock Lesnar. And now they've got Cain Velasquez as well, which is just, it's just atrocious. You know, Tyson, yeah, exactly. They put Braun Strowman against Tyson fucking Fury. I mean, bless Braun. He's, you know, he's an all right worker and he's improved, but he's not going to be able to carry fucking Tyson Fury. And then he's got to lie there on the floor pretending to be knocked out by the just the worst worked punch I've ever seen in my life. Um, didn't he right hand just like Tyson Fury? I haven't seen the match. Tyson Fury's left-handed and he didn't even get knocked out with Tyson's right hand. Yeah, it, it was ridiculous. It was it was awful. And I think Braun deserves better because when they split him up from the Wyatt family in the draft, he was, you know, he was the next big thing. And to be perfectly honest, he flits from... What was he even doing? He fl- it seems to flit at the moment between terrifying monster and fuzzy cuddly bear, and oh, shit. big show booking. Yeah, they can't seem to decide what to do with him, so he's just there. That that's all that can be said, really. And yeah, they killed him with the two missed opportunities to get the title of Lesnar. So um, yeah, he's my number three. Um, I am going to go for. Uh, shameless Saudi money grabbing as number two. It might seem obvious, might seem default, but it's a disappointment to me because they had the opportunity to make a stand, the WWE. And, you know, with all this stuff after the journalist story broke, WWE had the chance to say, no, we are not having this anymore. We're not doing it. Because let's face it, WWE do not need the money. Their TV deals that they've recently signed with Fox and with the USA Network, they do not need the money that they are getting from this. And instead, what do they do? They not only have this show, but they then sign another multi-year deal with Saudi Arabia. And to me, that's disgusting. It's not the fact that they are taking the money and it's a palaver. It is, but it's the fact that WWE, who constantly go on about how they're anti-bullying and all this bullshit. They had the opportunity to make a real stand 
that meant something and they fucked that opportunity up. That, for me, is the disappointment. Um, And then finally, the directionless NXT call-ups. That goes for anything from EC3 to Heavy Machinery to Nikki Cross to begin with, in fairness, because she has been booked slightly better recently. But then you've got Alistair Black, whose gimmick is that he's sitting in a room and can't get out because no one will knock on his door. Um, and the big one for me, this is this epitomizes how WWE have got no idea how to use their NXT roster. It was Champa and Gargano. Champa and Gargano, who were in one of the most heated feuds in NXT history. They were in a blood feud, a feud that resulted in them literally beating each other senseless. Okay, we all three of us have watched their feud. All three of us have watched their three matches. And then you tuned into Raw and they were a fucking tag team. In fairness, that was kind of going along with what was happening on NXT at the time. No, no, but. it wasn't. That was before that. That was before oh. that. They were back to DIY as though nothing had happened. That is bollocks. If you don't have a plan for your call-ups, don't bring them up. Because if Lacey Evans is the only person on that fucking roster from NXT that you can say has made an impact, then I'm sorry you're doing it wrong. And it's it's no wonder that Tomasa Champa has come out in an interview and said, if I get called up to the main roster, I'm leaving. Because the way that NXT talent is treated, even Ricochet, what is Ricochet doing? He's having okay matches. He's, he's flipping, flipping, flipping to watch Freedom. Exactly, and he's being wasted. You know, he could have a fantastic run with the United States Championship. I mean, no offence to Rey Mysterio at all, but why the fuck is the belt back on Rey Mysterio? Rey Mysterio is at that point in his career where he could legitimately be putting over talent like Ricochet. And instead, WWE just do that thing where they default. And we could moan about NXT call-ups forever i mean Sami Zayn is a wonderful example of that Sami Zayn, who for, uh, they had a tailor-made daniel bryan-esque babyface and did fuck all with him to be fair right now he's just moshing in the background with nakamura Sami Zayn is a manager chris Sami Zayn, who is one of the best workers in that company is a manager and a great one i did laugh because I haven't watched the week to week product, so I don't know the actual story is, but like at Survivor Series, I mean, just moshing in the background to Nakamura's music, I found that hilarious. Yeah, it, it. I am angry though. Like, I wish um, he'd just call up his friend now, Generico, get some advice, and you mm. know. But you know, our Generico is very busy nowadays with the orphans. Of course, of course. Anyway, let's um, let's check what the public have voted for. So. In third place with 17.74% is Kenny Omega. Clearly sharing Garth's view of Kenny Omega not pulling his weight so far. And again, just seeming to be going at a half a pace or just not seeming motivated. Whatever that is, it's not working for a lot of people. In second place with 20.97, we have WWE Raw. Uh, three hours of absolute nonsensical bollocks, especially now that they've moved Bray Wyatt to SmackDown. And for the first time ever, in Podmania end of year award history, we've got a tie in first place with 22.58%. We have got directionless NXT call-ups and shameless Saudi money grabbing. Are we surprised? I'm surprised there's a drill. But apart from that, no. No. 
I, that pretty much encompasses everything that we said, really, doesn't it? Apart from Impact, which clearly not enough people watch to even give a shit about. Sorry, Garth. Neither do I. It's <laughs> true. Two people in and Scotland and Newcastle are just mad right now, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> right, we move on then to the final category. My voice is holding, which is good. I'm uh, I'm happy with this because I've now run out of drink. So, um, we move on to a new. Uh, category for this year actually the podmania feud of the year 2019 and there has been some absolutely stellar feuds so these are the list or this is the list sorry that i should say that we are going to give to you today the nominees were tessa blanche versus sammy callahan from impact kazuchika okada and sonada from and uh, new japan pro wrestling Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston, WWE. Tam Nakano and Arisa Hashiki from Stardom. Guess who chose that one? John Moxley versus Juice Robinson, New Japan Pro Wrestling. LAX versus the Lucha Brothers from Impact. Becky versus Charlotte from the WWE. Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole in NXT. And finally, Walter versus David Starr in Progress. Garth, let's start with you. What do you think? Number three, Tessa versus Sammy Callahan. I'm amazed uh, that's not number one. Uh, and it's I, th- well. I think the reason maybe it wasn't is because it wasn't a drawn out long enough feud. It was, it was a nice feud, and it all started from the fact that you had these old. Well, you had Glenn Gilbert coming out and saying women can't wrestle; they can't hang with the guys. Then, obviously, Tessa came out and showed him the, the can. Callahan got involved when, basically, Tessa just went, I want a shot. I want a shot at your championship. And he says, all right, then. And that was, I mean, for, uh, I wouldn't say major American sort of promotion, but for one of the bigger American promotions for them to put that as a main event on the pay-per-view was quite a big deal and it was quite sort of a gutsy thing to do because yes it probably happens elsewhere but I wouldn't say it's very common in American or Western TV um, that had the, the best thing they did with it was the tease they had a lot of backstage brawls Tessa was just as fucking crazy as Callahan was on it there were baseball bats there, were, there was a, a one where they had a sort of a rooftop brawl at a party, which was pretty cool. And then the match itself came along, and it was excellent. It was hard-hitting. Tessa gave as good as she got. She actually proved that she could hang with the, the guys, and at the end of it, there was a kind of a sort of wink and a nod of appreciation from Sammy, and the whole thing had credibility. It wasn't, it wasn't sort of hokey in any way. It actually it wasn't like kind of... Sammy Callahan was sort of pulling his punches, saying, oh, no, I can't hit a girl. He actually went for it, and he says, look, I'm not going to, because you're a girl, I'm not going to take it easy. I'm, I'm going to She said, yep, yeah, fine, bring it. And it just created a nice dynamic, something different. And I think this is the type of stuff that Impact needed to do to try and differentiate itself from the other American things. But, um, yeah, that was, that was one of my favorite views of the year, so that's my number three. Number two, this is actually quite a lot of good ones, isn't it? Um, <laughs> well, this wrestling's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, yeah, this year's been pretty fucking good. Um, 
I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go Kofi Bryan because it was... Daniel Bryan did his thing. He was the perfect heel. The perfect dickhead heel. Kofi was the perfect babyface. The, the fans' babyface, that was the thing. He was the fans' choice. They kind of sort of did the work for WWE. They didn't even have to do anything. They just put him out there. Kofi had everything put against him. He still came through. Daniel Bryan tried sort of nefarious means to, to put him off. Didn't work. And Bryan put him over at every possible opportunity. And then they had that match at WrestleMania, which was arguably, the be- well, no doubt the best match on the card. And the feel-good moment, it was... And I know... We don't like to mention these things, but it was up there with sort of the Benoit thing, the Eddie Guerrero thing. It was the the person that everybody wanted to see. There was nobody there who was sad to see Kofi win, and it was such a good payoff. I reckon Daniel Bryan wasn't happy. Well, yeah, I think he was. In kayfabe, he wasn't happy. In reality, he loves working with mid-carders. Yeah, true. I think he was more upset that that belt was going to get probably burned. Um, <laughs> well, my favorite part of that feud was when um, Daniel Bryan scrapped the championship for his yeah, headquarters. That's the thing, and, yeah. And he named the cow Daisy. And when they scrapped the belt, people were chanting "Bye bye Daisy." Yeah, it was <laughs> just that whole period of, of that championship run and the the Kofi sort of insertion and stuff was just brilliant. It was really compelling TV and fun. Uh, when he was going out and calling everybody hypocrites and things, and it's just so good. And I think if it had been Ali, I don't think we would have got that. I think because of people's history with Kofi and the fact that Kofi's always been there and always been a good hand, he's never been someone you go, oh shit, here's Kofi. It's always, oh, that's Kofi. And he always puts on a decent match. He has the highlights at Russ, um, the highlight at um, the Rumble. So it was just such a Feel good moment that everybody seemed to be unanimously, apart from Brian, um, <laughs> happy about. Like all the fans were like so buzzing for it, and people crying and things, and it was just good to have that this year. So that's my number two. Number one, it's fucking hard. Um, I'm gonna go just. I'm gonna go LAX versus Lucha Brothers because. Actually, no, I'm not. You know what? I'm not. I'm going to go call, call Gargano because the stories were better. Just pipping the Lucha Brothers. Um, yeah, the matches I had were brilliant. The story was excellent. The build-up was great. Um, again, the, the stuff they did out of the ring was really good. The build-up, the promos and all that sort of stuff. But then the stuff in the ring alleviated everything and made everything seem so much more worthwhile and have more gravitas and they were like, it was wrestling clinics in terms of storytelling and like technical proficiency getting moves over that. Like a simple sort of roll under into a sort of like a leg hold. And because of the way they sold it through the match, it really meant something. It wasn't uh, they're using the hold here to, to eke out some time. It was, it's a wear down move. They're wearing each other down. Um, and just brilliant, just such good storytelling, and that is as, if not more important than the actual match, because you need to be invested and you need to have a reason to care about who wins and loses. So, Cole Gargano, loved it. 
every minute. Chris? Fucking, I'm scared to actually name it because last time I said I liked something from Stan and I got fucking rinsed for five minutes. But I'm uh, not going to rinse you. So, Arisa vs. Tamakana was really well built if you watched it. I get. Did um, you watch it, Garth, things. just quickly? Hey? Did you watch Stardom? <clears throat> Fortunately, I didn't. No, okay. Just quickly, just wanted to check. So, do carry on, Chris. <laughs> You right. bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so, when Tan Nakano has a very like weird backstory, which I won't get into now, it involves death matches and girl bands. And that's the worst um, album they... name ever. Death match and girl bands. Anyway, so um, she eventually found herself in Stars, which is like Stardom's main like babyface faction because they're split split into factions. And when Arisa came and became like infatuated basically with May, and when Arisa came back, of course she naturally goes into Stars because she's May's best friend. And Tam didn't like this, so so you sort of had this relationship of um, Arisa likes Tam, but Tam doesn't like Arisa. And like Tam would just start like acting out, like not accepting tags, not doing like that. Eventually, she'd just start taking pot shots at Arissa. Till eventually, when Arissa won the white belt, she was like, Right, Tam, we're fucking doing this already. Let's just <laughs> fucking fight. And then they did, and it was great. And like it was basically built as it was either going to end the feud or keep the feud going. And it ended up kind of doing both because like Tam still hates, hated Arissa. But then um, they still had to tags together because that's how stardom works so <laughs> they just kept tagging and like they got put together for tag league which is the weirdest decision ever um and then um they just tam was just starting bitchy to arrest the backstage to be eventually one tag league and i thought it was a nice little arc there and now we're friends because they formed a bond over tag league it was nice anyway Beyond that, but my next one is also very smarty. But um, Dab, uh, not Dab, um, Walter and David Starr, just because it spans so many promotions. Like the point is, David Starr cannot beat Walter. Problem is, this if this feud goes on much longer, it's going to reach a natural of just fucking end already. But like Starr can't get a win over Walter wherever he's done it, being like WXW, OTT, Progress, he can't beat him. And it's caused Star to like ruin friendships. It's caused Star to lose championship opportunities just at the chance of beating Walter. And like, so it's just a great little story going on. Like, and it caused like so many splinter feuds, like like Walter Walter versus Osprey and Star versus Devlin. And it's just been like, and it's all just centered around David Starr's like like Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker just. He needs to beat him to prove to himself that he's a good pro- professional wrestler, and it, I think it's great. And it helps like the natural charisma of David Starr, and the fact that Walter, especially in like progress and LCT, isn't a character more than he is like an oncoming storm. Like you know, like in you know in Resident Evil Two, that big bastard who's just always about but you never really kill. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, that's basically what Walter is, and it's. <laughs> Um, and it's perfect for that feud. And um, I've either in no particular order, because to be honest, Tam and Arisa would be my favourite, but I didn't want to get called a mark again. Um, but um, Sonata and Okada built a really good feud out of, which, which is sort of a surprise for me. We've had four matches, 
most of which could be considered, in my opinion, match be a contenders. Um, and especially if I won the G1. And um, it just started building a thing of, so like with um, Star and Walter, where Okada sort of had to be, um, no, Sonata kind of had to be Okada, and Okada sort of kept picking Sonata as, their cha- as his challenger, partly because um, I think part of it is because Okada knows he can beat him, and the other part is Okada wants Sonata to beat him. Like Okada, we we've talked about this in like from the Young Lions um, on our review of King of Pro Wrestling, but like it's built a nice little story. The only problem now is created like both even Naito and Sonada need to be Okada for their type for any title reign they have to mean anything. So it was kind of that, but yeah, I'm kind of I, I I've been really enjoying that this year. Um. Uh, I'm not going to embellish much because A, my voice is killing me and B, you've said all of mine. Um, so, uh, number, again, no real particular, but Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano. Um, again, the best feud on NXT. Absolutely fantastic. And it's led to three incredible matches. Two incredible matches. Three incredible matches. Two incredible matches. It's led to some incredible matches. Um, Tessa Blanchard and Sammy Callahan for what it stands for and impacts bravery in putting a woman in an intergender feud, not only, you know, as part of a gimmicked competition, but, you know, in the main event, um, I think is absolutely incredible. I think it's testament to just how well Tessa Blanchard has come on in the last couple of years. And then number one, for me, you know, there's there's no competition. It's got to be Tam Nakano and Arisha Hashiki from stardom. <laughs> No, it it for me it's Okada and Sonata. Um, For all the reasons Chris said, it the way that they are mirroring the Okada and Tanahashi feud, using Okada and Sonata, and Okada now being on the other end of that fence and realizing that he needs to offer Sonata that that branch, that opportunity, and Okada telling Sonata, you've got to beat me, you've got to beat me. And then just, you know, it's recently been voted Tokyo Sports' best match of the year. Sonata versus Okada from King of Pro Wrestling wasn't the best match of the year. But that ending where Sonata, who is the quintessential cool dude, does not show any emotion, you know, he he does... Yeah, he bursts into tears. Because he hasn't beaten Okada. He had the chance to beat Okada and he fucked it. And just that well, emotion, also, incredible. What was also amazing was um, for him losing his cool play in the story because if he'd have stayed in the skull end, he'd have won, but he was getting restless. And he's like lost matches because of this before, so he just broke it and went for the moonsault and that's what fucked him. Yeah, because Okada reversed the moonsault. And again... It, it works so well in the storyline. I think it was just, it was a perfect way to end. And to be honest, if you, and it depends what kind of fan you are. You have a match, you know, you look at WWE. If there's two competitors on pay-per-views that have four rematches, you're going to say, oh, you know, the creative decisions are bollocks and all that. But it, it's organically led to that. Could they have had less matches this year? Absolutely. Have they done the best with what they've been given? Absolutely, well, and I enjoy the way they've done it. None of the matches didn't have a reason not to happen. Like the first one was the final of a tournament. Um, the second one was because Okada challenge um, promised Sonata a shot if Okada won at Madison Square Garden. Um, and then the G one, we just 
ended up in the same block and we didn't even like emphasize the match we just had it like in the middle um of the tournament and then um but because sonata beat okada sonata gets the title shot i personally don't think those last two matches should have happened i honestly the g1 match was the best one of the trilogy so i think maybe the g1 should have happened and then maybe they should have had someone else beat okada um have that be the match you can for wrestling and then keep the sonata for um shot for like post wrestle kingdom or something i think that the entire g1 angle could wait till next year i guess but also like it's so good i'm happy it happened oh don't get me wrong i'm not complaining because that g1 match was insane um but that's by the by anyway we'll get on to what you the public voted for so our last category podmania feud of the year 2019 in third place is one that none of us have said with 12.90 percent is becky lynch and charlotte flair um in second place with 17.74 percent we have got very deservingly tessa blanchard and sammy callahan and then in first place, we have Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano from NXT with 29.34%. Garth, feelings about Lynch versus Flair as number three? Um, I mean, it was a shit-hot feud at the time. Last year. He was... This year, going into WrestleMania. It wasn't that hot, because there's... If we're doing that, we'd have to include Ronda. Yeah, I mean, it was it was Becky at the height of her powers. Uh, her powers, like she's a wizard. Well, you know what I mean, like the like the the Twitter stuff and the Instagram stuff. It was. How has she gotten so much worse over? She used to be so good on Twitter. I think she's just probably laid off of people aren't as sort of. It, well, it's it's the Ronda thing as well. It's she's not as high profile. Yeah, I guess. Ronda reached a lot more people, like casual people. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I think it was a good feud and it was fun and the match was decent. It was it was a nice spectacle at the at the time. But yeah, it was all right. I don't have any problem. Chris, problems? I think I found idiots. Mm-hmm. Chris O'Brien does not speak for the views of Podmania. <laughs> Apart from when I'm on Twitter. Go on, explain your ridiculous opinion. Um, because... Yeah, like, it was fine going into Mania, but then, like, post-Mania, it just kept fucking going. The problem is, when you've got two high-profile stars like that, You, I mean, you've literally just said about Sonata and Okada, who had four rematches. So, yeah, it might get going, but even so... Yeah, but like it kept going from a feud that was like happened happened like five matches last year as well. So like it's not like this year where like Sonata and Okada hadn't touched for a year. Was they last time? There's no more than like a month or so between Charlotte and Becky matches. That's just the way WWE's booked. It's a different booking that machine. It, that doesn't that doesn't make it right. <laughs> no, but the way they book, it's the way they book. It still it doesn't again doesn't make it right. I'm not saying it makes it right. I'm not saying it makes it wrong. I'm saying that it's a different machine than it is in New Japan. When did you become all fucking impartial? All of a sudden, I hate WWE's current product. I'll be the first to admit yeah. it. I'm just saying that you know, even though I don't think Becky and Charlotte should have been third, I don't think it's you know I don't think it should be dismissed as not a good feud. 
this is last year. I think again, I think I did mention it last year because, like, if this is last year, I'd be more inclined to agree with you. But like, as it stands this year, I don't. See, I I agree that most of it took place last year. However, what I will say is that the heat of that feud and the the amazingness of that feud led into what was a very good match at um, Fastlane, and it led into that really really good match at well that match it wasn't really really good it was a little bit botchy but that's beside the point um at mania so you know if you've got a feud that has led to the first ever woman's main event and yeah potentially ronda rousey should be in there but ronda rousey wasn't in that original feud Uh, wrongly or rightly it's just how it's fallen so i think that you know even though that feud potentially was more last year i think the fact that it impacted this year in such a way, I think it needed to be put on there anyway. And there, ladies and gentlemen, we have our Pod Mania Awards, end of year awards for 2019. Thank you to everyone that took the time to vote. We truly do appreciate it. Our 2019 Hall of Fame inductees, I make that sound so prestigious, uh, will be <laughs> announced on a later podcast. The votes are still coming in for those because I don't think the polls end until tomorrow. So in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can please subscribe to us on any podcast platform. Uh, we are literally everywhere. You can talk to us on Twitter at at Podmania. Same with Facebook at Podmania Podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube at at The Real Podmania. Uh, you can talk to me on Twitter at at Real Rob Goodwin. Garth, where can they find you? At Garthamania. And Chris? Uh, no Goto. I can't shout it because it's like 11 at Yeah, I did realise that. <laughs> um, but thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening and we'll talk to you guys again soon. You've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podmania, Facebook at Podmania Podcasts, and YouTube and Instagram at RealPodmania. And check out the website, podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. Podmania.